you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. This is week four in our series on the Holy Spirit, a brief look at his power and ministry in our lives. It's brief because we are only going about five weeks and Shay's going to be preaching next week. And uh, this is, so this is the, I guess it would be the second last message uh, in the series. And the title of the message today is The Holy Spirit's Work in Advancing the Mission. The Holy Spirit's Work in Advancing the Mission. Now, something I'm hearing a lot of people say lately is this, is that there is a lot going on in the world. Are you hearing that a decent amount? I feel like every time I talk to somebody, that's sort of what we end up hearing. And there is a lot of things. There's vaccine issues. There's domestic issues. There's racial issues. There's petition issues. There's trust issues. And these things are important. Yes, there's, we can't ignore them. We are to do whatever we can to make some of these right. But as much as we need to be engaged and involved in these things, here's something we can't forget. It's so important that we still have a mission to complete. That there's a job that Jesus gave us to do. It's the job of making disciples. So yes, there's lots of things that are drawing for our attention. There's lots of things that are saying, give me all of your attention, Marv, but we cannot forget the mission, the job that we've been given. Now, a good question to ask at this moment is, is the mission hard? Well, like on an episode of Jeopardy, the answer we're looking for is yes, it is hard. And I want to show you why. I want to give you a couple reasons. It's hard to complete the mission. Here's why it's not easy, because there's cultural pressure to keep our faith private. Culture doesn't want you to talk about Jesus. They, they want you to just kind of keep that at home, keep that out. There's also real misunderstandings about Christianity. And some of this, some of the reasons for this is there's misrepresentation in the media. Can't tell you how many times I'm watching something with, with Kim and there's just a projection of what Christianity is and it's beyond false what is being put there. There's this misrepresentation. There's also this, believers in the past and the present who have behaved badly. We just need to admit that, that there are times where Christians have not behaved in the best ways and it has not helped our witness. And I believe some of that's going on even now. There's also a, sh- a shallow understanding of what the Bible teaches on many issues. And this is the reality for believers and unbelievers. We have not read enough of the scriptures to know. So we, there's just a shallow understanding the other thing is we struggle with the fear of man. Haven't you ever felt there's a, there's a, a time where you're like, I, sh- I probably should say something, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they're going to respond to what I'm about to say. That's the, that's the fear of man. The other thing is following Jesus comes with a cost. 
We are inviting people into something that is hard, that is not easy, that has, that has real sort of risks to it. And then the other thing is, this last one, we have a real spiritual enemy who is actively working against us. Parable of the sower. What does it say? That, that, that the word is sown, and then that, the, that Satan sort of comes and he snatches it away, actively working against us in the mission. Now, here's the thing. So the mission is not easy, but here's what I want to tell you. We're not alone in the work. The mission is not easy, but we're not alone in the work. Here's what Jesus says uh, in Acts, Acts chapter 1. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So Jesus is saying, there's, there's something we are going to get. There's power that we're going to get for the work. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is with us in the work. Here's the big takeaway today. We have a mission to complete and the help we need to get it done. The Holy Spirit helps us. And what I want to show is that all the ways the Spirit helps us. And then I want to show us why the mission is worth the effort. So I want to show how does he help? Here's the aim. Then I want to motivate us to see that it's actually worth the effort to engage. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit helps. He advances the mission by giving us courage. By giving us courage. He gives us courage to embrace witnessing opportunities. He gives us courage to embrace witnessing opportunities. Acts, that should come up for us on the next slide. So Acts 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like, a, like of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flame of fire that spread and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven, when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Here's something important about tongues. Tongues is a, a language that people can understand. It's not just random words. People understand when it's happening. But some sneered and said, they are drunk on new wine. So the people are like, some people are like, they're just, they're just drunk. That's all that's going on. Well, watch this. Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and proclaimed to them. Peter stands up. There's an opportunity to witness and he walks into it. And when you read the passage in verses 14 to 36, he gives a powerful sermon and calls them to faith in Christ. And when you read it, what you'll notice is there's a change in Peter. Do you remember Peter at the fire? They're like, you're one of them. He's like, mm-mm, I'm not with those guys. They're like, you sound like him. He's like, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. They're like, no, 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 we, we saw you. He's like, mm-mm, I'm not with those brothers. Afraid. But when you look now, he's full of courage. He, he's, there's a boldness. The gospel just flows from him. And you know why? All because of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the courage to speak and not hide. And here's the thing, the temptation to hide is real. Don't you feel it sometimes? If I could just fly under the radar, maybe people won't notice that I'm actually in that group of people, but the Holy Spirit, that's why we ask the Spirit to fill us every day, to give me that courage not to hide. Then watch what happens, verse verse 37. So Peter proclaims the gospel. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Their hearts were touched. There was conviction. They realized that a change was needed and, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And they're like, wait a minute. If this, all this is true, we got to do something. Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, telling them to be saved from this corrupt generation. This is what we got to tell people. The generation we're living in is corrupt. It's no different than this one. All you got to do is watch the news and watch some of the shows that are getting produced. Corruption. And we are to call people to be saved. One of my favorite stories in the, in the Bible is Jacob and Esau. And maybe it's because I got four boys at home who are always beefing. I don't know. But these two brothers, they, they get into it. You know, Esau is kind of like the tough guy and Jacob was, you know, kind of a sensitive brother. We, we don't mind him. But he, Jacob tricks his brother. And then they, they get into some trouble. And then there's beef, but then they separate. They go their different ways. Now, as you're reading the story in Genesis, it comes, you know, Jacob's kind of living his life. Esau's lived his life. And there's a, there's a, a, a scene where they're going to come back together and meet up. Well, Jacob shook. He's like, I don't know how my brother's going to respond. I don't know what he's going to do. So he makes all of these plans. Here's what I'm going to do to make sure that Esau is, is okay with me and it's all going to go smooth. Well, when they come together, Esau walks up to Jacob and just falls on his brother's shoulder. They just hug. And he's surprised. See, the same way Jacob did not know what would happen between him, him and Esau, Peter, even when he raises his voice here, didn't know how people would respond. It's the same for us. We don't know how people are going to respond when we embrace those opportunities to witness. And so we speak knowing that we never know when God's going to touch a heart. We never know when God is going to change a life. And so we don't shy away. So he gives us courage to embrace witnessing opportunities. Then he also gives us courage in the face of opposition. Acts 4 says, when they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they're like, there's life after this. And the people are annoyed. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed. See why it's worth the effort? Because people believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John stand before them. They began to question them. By what power and in what name have you done this? There, this was a man that was healed previously in the chapter. Then Peter, filled with the, don't miss it, Holy Spirit, 
said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, there's that boldness again in Peter, not backing off, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you healthy. This Jesus, the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. This is so important, this line. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by people by which we must be saved. Such a reminder that Jesus is the only one that can save us. And the unbeliever needs to hear that word today, that salvation comes in no other name. There's no way. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. What gives them the courage to stand in the opposition? The Holy Spirit. Peter, full of the Spirit. And here's the thing, the threats don't stop. Right, like, like, like wintertime in Canada, like snow, it just keeps coming. The threats did not stop, but watch their response. They say, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So like, it's clear what's happened here, we can't deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let us threaten them. That we're going to threaten them. And against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they call them and order them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, I love this, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They're like, no. We, ca- we cannot stop. Yes, there's threats. Yes, there's a struggle, but we are not going to stop speaking. When it comes to the mission, opposition is a part of the plan. We should expect it. Like it says in the song, changes. That's just the way it is. It's a part of the plan. But here's the thing. We cannot let opposition silence us at no point. Because we have a life-changing message. Let me say that again because I want us to get it. We cannot let opposition silence us because we have a life-changing message. And I want to show you the ways the Spirit changes someone, changes a person's life when the Holy Spirit saves them. They are brought into the light, out of darkness into light. There's an ability to see clear, to see themselves clearly, to see the world clearly, to see where we're going clearly. I say that all the time because we are going home. It's so important. And as we grind through this struggle, we got to keep our minds on that reality. It helps us. They're rescued from the power of Satan. Do you know that an unbeliever is not primarily our enemy? That they're victims of the enemy? that they're under the power of Satan, but the Holy Spirit rescues them. Their sins are forgiven. Their transformation starts immediately. And if you don't believe this list, just check the passage. But this is, these are the ways the transformation comes. And here's something that is so important. As we think about opposition, we need to remember what Jesus promised. 
Luke 12. It says, whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. I think a real reality for Christians is that we are going towards a more axed type of world where we are going to, I believe, face more persecution for our faith. That's just a reality. But watch the hope here. Do not worry about what you should say for the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at that very hour, what must be said at the very hour. The Holy Spirit is going to help us. Remember what I said? We, the big idea, big takeaway. We have a mission to complete, but the help we need to get it done. We are not alone in the work. Number two, the Holy Spirit advances the mission by giving us opportunities to break down barriers. Now in chapter 10 of Acts, we meet this guy, this man named Cornelius. And Cornelius is a centurion. And an angel comes to him in the first little bit of verses one to eight of that chapter and, and tells him, call, go call for Peter. And so he responds, but then we hear now Peter having a vision in verse, starting in verse nine of 10, says, the next day as they were traveling nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. And a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, no, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything impure or ritually unclean. Again, verse 15, the second time, the voice said to him, what God has made clean, do not call impure. For this happened three times, and then suddenly the object was taken up to heaven. Verse 17, while Peter was deeply perplexed, he's confused about what the vision he had seen might mean. Right away, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out asking for Simon, who was also named Peter, if, sorry, they called out asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him. Remember in the first message we said the Holy Spirit is a person. Here we see the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit told him, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubt at all because I have sent them. So the Holy Spirit gives Direction. So what you, what you need to realize here is that the centurion, this Cornelius, is someone Peter would have avoided. But he resists, the, resists that temptation. Look at verse 29, 28. It says, Peter said to them, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for you. So I ask, why, why you sent for me? When Peter steps into this house, when he walks and he's interacting with these people, he's breaking down all sorts of barriers. There's political barriers. He's in, the hall, he's, he's in front of a centurion, a Roman soldier. Jews hated Roman soldiers. He is, he is with, he's with Gentiles. So he's breaking down racial and religious barriers. 
Because Jews thought that if they interacted with a Gentile, they were going to become unclean. But so Peter ignores all of that, following the Holy Spirit. And watch what happens. Verse 44. They ask Peter, they're saying, speak to us. He says, while Peter was still speaking these words. So he's, he presents again the gospel to them, walks them through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. God's showing us in the scriptures that Jesus Christ comes for all types of people. For they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. God is great. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Notice that, that they, they believed and they were baptized. Believed. And baptized. Believe, baptized. You're like, why am I telling that? Because in the New Testament, you cannot find an unbaptized believer. It doesn't exist. And so the word to the person who is, you're, if you're a Christian and you have not been baptized, that is the next step. Belief, baptism. We identify with our Savior. In verse 45, it says that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. And then verse 48, it's so, I love this. It says, then they asked him to stay for a few days. You're like, what's going on there? That's called fellowship. They, they hung out together. They spent some time. They probably ate some food. He probably did a little bit more discipleship, teaching them. The way a telemarketer, who can be a little bit annoying sometimes, tells you the reason, you know, the duck cleaning people, you get in that call, Hi, Mr. McCoody, would you like to, your ducks clean? Like, how'd you get my number? Now, the way a telemarketer tells you the reason for their call, I want to tell you a couple things. The reason why the Holy Spirit pushes us to break down barriers. Because the Holy Spirit wants to use our faithful witness to bring all types of people into God's family. You read the scriptures from the beginning to the end, you realize diversity is the plan for God's church. Heaven's going to be full of all types of people, and it's going to be beautiful. And he wants to give us opportunities to fellowship with people who are not like us. And you're like, why? Because it helps to deepen our understanding of what it means to be made in the image of God. Since we planted our church me and Shayon have become really good friends because we, well, he's the only one I get to hang out with right now. But we spent a lot of time, but every time I hang out with him, I'm like, man, we are different. But as I interact with Shay and Natalie and Shepard and, and Shep and Amelia and they hang out with our kids, I, I, I get more of an understanding of what God is doing in designing us all just a little bit differently. We share a common humanity, yes, but there is differences that are beautiful that I need and Shay needs and we all need and God wants us to see that being made in the image of God is a lot broader sometimes than we think. He helps us 
He wants us to fellowship because it helps us to grow in our appreciation and understanding of cultures. It helps us to see the different ways the scriptures speak to people, and this helps to broaden our perspective. It's so interesting when there's a whole different group of people. I see this all the time in our small group. There's different backgrounds, life experiences, and so we're looking at a passage and everyone sees something just a little bit different. Getting the text right. But the way it touches us is all different because of our backgrounds and life experience. And this broadens our perspective. It helps us. So the Holy Spirit came down on those who heard the message. Right? Verse 44 says that. And this actually happens a few times in the book of Acts. And it's a fulfillment of Scripture. I want to show you because this is important. This helps us to understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts. So Pentecost, this idea, actually happens four times in Acts. There's four like mini Pentecosts. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Jews in Acts. And let me just say this as it's coming to my head. This is why when, you know, there's some churches that teach that when you become a believer, you have to speak in tongues. Because that's not, that's not actually accurate. And it's sometimes because they look at what goes on in Acts and they're like, look, but all is going on is, is God is showing this, that he is saving all types of people and the gift of the Holy Spirit is reflected that way. But every single believer does not speak in tongues and that's not a sign that you, uh, you are saved or at some higher level. So the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Jews. That's Acts 2. Then it's poured out on God-fearers. These are Greeks that are converted to Judaism. This is Acts 10, what we just looked at. Then it's the Samaritans. Acts 8. Then the Gentiles in Acts 19. And there should be another slide. I don't remember what's on it, but it's good. there it is. And this fulfilled God's promise that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. So you read Joel 2, 28. There's this promise there that one day the Spirit is going to be poured out on all types of people, Jews and Gentiles. And you, what you, you see that being fulfilled in Acts. And what you need to know here is that, that the Spirit brought all these different types of people into the one Christian church. There wasn't now then a Gentile church and a Jewish church. It was one church, one, one group of people united under Christ. Yes, there were differences, but we share Jesus in common. And so he saves us and unites us together. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of unity. And you know what he does? He calls us to maintain that unity. All different, but united in Christ. And he says, maintain it. And here's the thing that we must understand. There's always things, always things out there threatening our unity. Especially in the times that we're living. One of the things that like is grieving my soul at the moment is how much disunity there is in the church. Oh, you're not doing things like we're doing right now? Let me write a blog about you. Oh, you're not doing things like you're, you're sort of going crazy and rebelling? Oh, let me like talk about you in secret in judgment. All sorts of disunity. And you know, it's, it's so tough right now too because so many things going on are issues of wisdom. They're not primarily moral. And that's what makes it so tough and complicated. And so we should actually be extending grace regularly to people who are doing things just a little bit different from us. And so our unity is threatened. There's lots of things going on in the culture. We talked about that. That's making that tough. 
but we must work hard to keep it and maintain it. And the way we do that is by simply practicing humility, listening well, making sure we actually understand one another and what's going on around us. One church, all brought in together by the Spirit, and he expects us to maintain it. Now, in Acts 16, we learn that Paul and his team want to go minister in a very specific area. But then we learn who's in charge. We learn the, just how sovereign the Holy Spirit is. Again, they have a plan. We want to do this. We want to do that. And then watch what the text says. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The Holy Spirit's like, nope. You want to go that way? No. When they came to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. It should say, yeah, sorry, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts, this is Luke writing, to set out for Macedonia. Why? Concluding that God, the Holy Spirit, had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they want to go somewhere, and the Holy Spirit's like, nope, you are going over here. And so the Holy Spirit advances the mission by guiding our ministry opportunities. The Holy Spirit's in charge. He guides them to Macedonia. He says, you're going there. And then you know what happens when you read Acts 16? Beautiful things happen. Lydia is saved, this wealthy businesswoman. She comes into the family, and then she uses her, her resources. She practices hospitality, and she helps to advance the mission. Then there's a young woman who is being oppressed and exploited by men. And she is freed from the oppression and the exploitation. Beautiful things. The, this jailer who was evil and mean at the beginning, he, he is saved through this earthquake that opens up the, 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 the gates of the jail. And instead of running away, Paul and them are like, we're here. And then they lead him to Christ. They go to his home and they lead other people to Christ. Multiple people are saved. Why? Because Paul and those who were with him said, we are going to surrender our plans to the Holy Spirit. We are going to follow him and do what he said. So they had a plan, but the Holy Spirit had a better plan. And that's why at T North, we have to let the Holy Spirit guide our ministry. And you're always maybe wondering, where was Marv really challenged in the pre preparation of the word this week? Right here. This idea that I have a plan. I'm always making plans. Lots of plans. I had lots of plans for our church. Lots of things that I'm like, I think this is going to be good. This is going to happen. It's going to be gravy. It's going to be nice. And the Holy Spirit's like, nope. You're going this way. We're going this way. And the Lord's just teaching me, and I think teaching our church to say, be surrendered to the guiding hand of the Holy Spirit, because when that happens, we will see people experience freedom from bondage. We will see people share in our gospel joy when we say, I'm not so concerned just about my plan. I want to follow the Holy Spirit. We'll see people transformed 
in multiple ways by the Holy Spirit. Hear me on this. The mission is not easy. It's not easy. But it's worth the effort. Just check me on it. Read Acts 16. Lori, you can come up now if you want. That, the whole, that it's worth the effort. And so we, we follow his leading. And as we do it, as we, as we see people experience freedom from bondage, as we see people come to faith and share in our gospel joy, as we see people transformed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants us to remember something that is extremely important. He wants us rejoicing in the right thing. Luke 10. says, the 72 returned with joy. So these were, these were the disciples that Jesus sent out. He says, go out on mission. Go do work. He sends them out. And they return with joy, full of joy, saying, and here's why. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're joyful because they're like, we've had success. The mission's gone well. The ministry is, is doing well. It's going nice. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus is like, you've had some success. I've seen real success. Look, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you in the ultimate and eternal sense. If anything happens to us in the mission, we go, absence from the body, present with the Lord. However, watch this. He says, however, he's like, do not rejoice in the ministry success. Do not rejoice in the success in the mission. What does he say to rejoice in? Do not rejoice that the spirit submits you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do you know that this very day that Anthony Sawyer's name is in heaven written down? That Rebecca Oasis' name is written in heaven? That your name is written in the book of life, which means we're guaranteed life. And no matter what happens in the mission, that will not change. We have life coming to us because Jesus Christ, our Savior, gave his life. And he is in control of the book. And so we have to rejoice in the right thing. Like Jamila Lybird would say, our hope is secured. But rejoice that your name is written, come back. Yes, written in heaven. In heaven. Rejoice in the right thing. And you know what this does? A passage like this, it helps us to work without worrying. We can actually step in because we're like, I'm good no matter what. And so my aim, my heart is to motivate us into the work, however the Spirit leads, whatever opportunities that he gives. Our, our final song has this line in it. It says, thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son. Jesus has been given for us, died in our place. But again, we're not alone. And leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. 
There is a lot going on, yes. A lot that we need to pay attention to, yes. A lot that we need to engage in and think wisely about, yes. But, but we cannot forget that we have a mission to complete and the help that we need to get it done. We have to step into the work. Why? Because lives will be transformed as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord God, for your word. Father, thank you again for this reminder that we are not alone. That's been my aim the whole way in this series, just to help us. And God, I pray that the things that I've said that are, that you really want to press into people's hearts, that you would do that, Lord God. And the things that need to be left aside, that it would be, it would stay in its place. Father, you are the shepherd and the overseer, Lord God, of our soul. We thank you, Father, that you are guiding us in these moments. I pray that we would be so surrendered to your spirit, that we would trust you. Lord, thank you, God, that you have brought us together with all types of people who are different and called us to love one another and to be unified together. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would fill us, Lord God, with your spirit and that we would engage in the work, trusting you, Father, for the good results. You have simply called us to be a faithful witness, Lord, and the soul winning is up to you, so help us to trust that. And Father, I pray that as we engage in the mission, help us to rejoice in the right thing that because of Jesus Christ who gave his life, our names are written in heaven, that we will be with you one day. I pray that our heart would be to see others, Lord, we know are outside the family of God be brought in through our faithful, faithful witness. I pray that we would long to see their names written in heaven, written in the book of life. Help us to trust you to walk with you. And I pray, Lord God, that through your spirit, you would work through us to save many. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.